beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing. There is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone. I am very excited about today's guest. Although Daniel and I serve on some committees together, I do not know him well at all. I know that he has a work ethic which is commendable and is extremely good at organizing things and then making it look as if he has just arrived at a picnic as a guest. I immediately liked him when we met and have learned to have a healthy respect for his spirituality. My sense is that he walks the walk instead of talking the talk. So let's not waste any more time and get chatting. Daniel, good morning. How are you doing? Great. Thank you for having me. Good to be here. I'm very, very happy to have you here. I didn't think this was going to happen, to be completely honest with you. When I think of you, I think of you as this hectically busy person. <laughs> so when you said you could actually make it, and that during the week, you just go, whoa, what's going on here? Did he lose his job? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Uh, but uh, I am hectically busy, but I've, I guess when people ask, you to be of service i really try and make an effort to be of service because you know as you know it's part of our program and what we do and helps us stay clean and stay connected and uh, and you know it's uh, something i'm quite passionate about and interested in and so when you asked me to come and talk about my spiritual journey i said yes well i'm grateful spiritual principle of gratitude practice this morning as i said when i think of you i think of you as somebody who is really busy and I basically just know you in a <laughs> weird word, busyness context, because we're always on some form of platform together, organizing something yeah. or something like that. So I see you in a work context, in a busy context, and you always seem so relaxed. So is this a facade? Is it the mask that you wear? Or are you just one of those people who have the ability to let things go and what's going to happen is going to happen that type of thing because I'm a freaker out I'm a drama queen bottom line <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, look I mean we're all busy everyone you know the modern day person is always busy so I guess I'm not really anything special but uh, I you know I do like to get involved and we sit on various committees together and we put on events together and I guess you know that always makes us you know more vulnerable to the stresses of, of additional stresses of taking on too much stuff and yeah. I guess you know, maybe that was uh, something in my, you know, previous way of living that drove a lot of my anxiety because I would su suppress all of that. I mean, you know, I would need a an outlet to, to then release that or yeah. I felt entitled to be able to release it because look at all the stress and stuff that I've taken <laughs> on. We created more chaos to, to, to create the opportunity for yes. us to, to, to blame the stress. Yeah, but I, I have led a life that was always impacted by having a lot of duties and responsibilities from a young age so it's something that I've kind of like you know coped with and I think my previous way of living was filled with a lot of dire consequences and and bad habits uh, yeah. but one of the good ones was was the ability to really be able to do a lot of stuff at the same time and handle those and handle those pressures and it was something that was kind of enforced upon me from a young age just kind of managed to do it when I was at varsity all my varsity friends would be uh, knackered after a day of varsity and 
be chilling out on the beach and you know I'd be working in my family business um, okay. in the evenings and weekends and so my study times were you know very very short I had to be able to take stuff in quickly process it and then st- and still and still put in the same amount of drinking time obviously <laughs> Um, so important exactly so you you learn to you learn to kind of uh handle and juggle a lot of things and uh yeah i guess it's one of the good things of growing up in that way are you a people pleaser i definitely was a lot there was a big part of my persona and behavior growing up in a household headed by uh, an addict um, and so that environment, as you know, is all about walking on eggshells and oh, trying, to God, keep, yeah. trying to keep the, the peace and preventing the next outburst. And, and also just sort of the insecurities that develop around that then mean that you're always in this constant mode of people pleasing. You don't realize it at the time. But yeah, and you know, people pleasing slash manipulation. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Yeah. Uh, so so I was, in, but I'm I'm conscious of that now. I'm conscious of doing it for the wrong reasons. If I'm going yeah. to be of service, and be of service you know, without the expectation of yes. anything else coming back from it. But then also the counter to that is putting boundaries in place and yes. and making sure that you're not being taken advantage of or that you're not doing something for the for the wrong reason or wrong motive. So it's something I'm working on. I mean, I still do it a little bit and catch myself and slap myself. But, you know, <laughs> work in progress, right? Yeah. I struggle with that concept of not expecting anything back. Even, even if it's just expecting serenity back. <laughs> I, I expect something back. Yeah. You know, I just have that. I'm doing this for a reason. Mm. There's nothing like I'm just doing this to put it out there. It's just no. Yeah. Especially when you think about it too much, right? Yeah. When you think about it too much, you just do it. Just do a nice thing. Just do something <laughs> nice. And don't think about it. Don't tell anyone about it. And, yeah. you know, um, and it's hard. It's hard to do that because, you know, we've lived a life of trying to get our own outcomes from our behaviors yeah. and our actions. So we're, we're repairing that way of living. Yeah. So it it's is like, difficult. It's like I believe in tipping a car guard. It's just something that I do because I feel they do something so they deserve to be remunerated for it. And I tip them well. And every time that I tip them well, the thought that goes through my head is, you know, it's karma. You know, it will come back to me. You know, instead of just, <laughs> it's freaky. Yeah. So, so there's some, definitely the, the, the next layer that needs to be peeled is <laughs> yeah. for me. So what is your concept of spirituality? What's your understanding of, I don't know, the spirit, spirituality, belief, religion, where do you fit in this whole universe of belief systems that we can have? So it's it's evolved. It's evolved over time. And, you know, since I've been in recovery as well, I've started calling myself a spiritual atheist. You know? ah, okay. And then it's kind of developed from that into something that's leaning towards what's called pantheism now, in that, you know, this God or source or this connection exists in all of us you know which is something that I'm sort of formulating in my mind as my where I'm going to with this but I guess to define spirituality for me would be this you know I read this great uh, definition of it somewhere or heard it on podcast uh, it kind of stuck with me as something that really resonated which was an awareness that we're connected to something much bigger than ourselves and that's kind of like fits in with how I'm formulating and developing my concept of spirituality in that we're all connected to each other, to nature, to the universe. 
And for me, that's kind of how I view spirituality in that it's something, that connection, it's always there. So it's connectedness, basically. Connectedness, to, to, to yeah. everything. Yeah. And then being aware of that. Awareness, because, yeah. um, you know, even in the, the kind of lives that we both previously lived, you know, we were still, the, the spirituality was still there. It still existed. It was just caked over with all this cuck that yeah. um, our, our lives and the way we were living just baked over all of that. So it was always there. Yeah. It's And then it's just about leading a life and having the practices to then stimulate it and experience it and to experience that connection. Yeah. So it is all about the connection and, you know, that's how I sort of try and imagine it and, and the way I see it and the way it's, it, it is sort of developing for me. Yeah. I did an amazing guided meditation once. I was on a trauma counseling course and the facilitator had all of us sitting in a circle and they had an orange in front of us. So we sat in the classic meditation position and eyes closed, take the orange, smell it, feel it, feel the texture, become aware of, of all the sensations around this orange. And then with your eyes closed, bite into it and peel the orange. And my first thought was, oh, the maze. I hate dirty hands. I got the, so just sauce everywhere. But the smell, everything was amazing. Yeah. So then bite the orange and, and be aware of the taste and the texture and any butter, butter, butter. Now go into reverse and picture where the orange comes from and so you see the orange on a tree and you see the tree going into the earth and how's this earth connected and you suddenly realize that somebody eating an orange in Singapore it's effectively grown from the same earth it's all connected and it was such a kind of whoa <laughs> so we are all connected everything Absolutely, is connected yeah. you know? I've also seen some studies have been done now about, you know, walking through a forest and looking at the tree root systems and how they actually, in a way, communicate with each other, like the original network of, of nature. Amazing. And, um, and that, again, you know, just comes back to just this connectedness that, that exists through all beings and even inanimate objects. Um, yeah. You know, there's this connection there. So... Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting when you you sort of become aware of it and you open to it and you're experiencing it and yeah to come full circle from a militant atheist perspective on life and then sort of being pushed into a place where you know spiritual experiences sort of guided me onto this onto this path and into this place now where you know you're open to those kind of things. Yeah, you didn't grow up atheist, did you? I grew up in a fairly orthodox household where, you know, orthodoxy is practice, which yeah. means, you know, you're religious twice a year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the rest of the time, you know, you're really acting very unreligiously. <laughs> but it's okay as long as you're religious twice a year, yeah. you know. And no, so I didn't grow up with that. And, and then obviously through my experiences, my interactions with my father, and it's funny, a lot of the workbooks that we that, that I've done, go through and they compare your sort of lack of religion and spirituality with your relationship to your primary caregiver uh, and in the case you know my father and and so those words that we used to describe you know the sort of image of God were very much the same words that I used to describe my father oh wow and so that um, you know your 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 child my childhood my upbringing and all that affected um, my sort of move towards atheism which was this feeling of abandonment okay and there can't be someone out there because uh, I've been emotionally rejected through that process so it came over time that uh, atheism became a great 
sort of destination for my feelings and interpretations and belief systems that there is no one out there looking after you no one cares Uh, you've got to do everything by yourself bad things happen to good people so all that kind of stuff and so atheism was a natural sort of uh, destination for me and then that changed it sounds as if the change was connected with a lot of intellectualism you went in search of with the change to spirituality yeah I don't I definitely needed an intellectual base to my spirituality and my understanding of spirituality I needed that but the move or the change or the circumstances that kind of pushed me into a more sort of spiritual approach to living was nothing intellectual at all it was an experience it was uh, it was I guess role players in the universe in my life basically pushing me into a different way of living and uh, and I I remember the feeling that it was a moment and that changed my life and I I believe that that moment was a spiritual experience and that was kind of like the universe saying to me, okay, we've been waiting for you and we've had, we've been calling out quite a few times. It's now time for you. Like you're obviously too dumb to hear the call. So we're stepping in here and you need to now like embrace this. And, and it was, and I actually, I felt this thing through my body. It was a, oh, wow. it was a, um, just a, a, an experience that I'll never forget. And uh, I knew that in that moment, my life was going to change. And, uh, and that sort of like opened me up to, to, a new way of thinking, living, more open-minded to what I had to do to repair my life, and that was it. But I and that I know that that moment I look back and I knew that was the actual turning point uh, for me, and then a lot of hard work afterwards. Yeah. You mentioned dad, not positive. Where's mom in this? Uh, mom is the long-suffering codependent uh, oh, God, to, okay. to, to the <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry for sounding good. <laughs> it's so um, classic, eh? Yeah, and uh, I guess in, in, a, in a way, um, did the best that she could under the circumstances. A very hard life, you know, shipped out to, to marry someone in another country at a very young age. Had, you know, was pregnant six times by the time she was 24. Had four kids by the time she was 24. So... You know, I'm, um, you know, did the best you could, but obviously given the environment that we, you know, we all did the best we could just to survive uh, the challenges of our home life. Oh, that took me a while to realize that my parents did the best they could. I I was very, very, very critical towards them. I felt I was let loose into life, not equipped for what life demanded of me, and I blamed them for it. And it took me a, a lot of therapy to, <laughs> to mm. get to the point kind of they did their best. Mm. And it's really quite nice to to reach that phase mm. of to, to accept that, that they did their best. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, you uh, it's the, the resentment is what fueled my, you know, my addiction and my push towards addiction, especially uh, around uh, my upbringing and my, my parents, my father, especially. But you realize that just like I didn't stand a chance, they didn't stand a chance either. And their circumstances were even worse than mine and, and mine were pretty rough. So, but you've got to get to a stage where you've got to let go of that. Otherwise, you'll never be able to, you know, unburden yourself and, and move on and live the kind of life that you do. Yeah. You know, I don't have a, you know, as, as we speak here, I have a non-existent relationship with my father. 
but I try not to carry the the resentment with me of, yeah. of his actions in the past because I know it's just going to screw me up again. So you just have to, you know, once you realize what it does to you, you'd let it go. Yeah. I always say I don't need somebody else to screw me up. I can do that well enough myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need any... I don't any, need any, amateurs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let the professional do the work, yeah. okay? Yeah. <laughs> we are a product of our upbringing. We... I just really see that I am a product of my past experiences. The choice that I, that I have to make today is whether I'm going to allow that to, to drag me down or and define me. I choose to not allow it to influence me today. Now, you have children. Yes, yeah, I have two, two amazing beings that are, they're a handful, but they're an amazing handful. And, you know, since I've turned my life around, my relationship with them has been just nothing short of amazing and an opportunity for me to break the cycle that was probably going on for generations in, in, yeah. in my family line and and in, yeah my relationship has certainly has certainly changed with them and a marked increase from what it was I struggled I struggled to connect uh, with the concept of parenthood while I was in active addiction you know you you know you should be doing something but you're not it's not heart's not really in it because your mind is elsewhere yeah. uh, your mind has been hijacked right by by your addiction and by um your way of living so yeah it was really and i could see it straight away it was within weeks our relationship of uh, the mood the way they interacted they would run home when run to the door, I'm, sm- I'm smiling. I've got a big yeah. smile on my face. Yeah, and they just uh, now they run. They run to the door when I come home, yeah. and it's just shower them with the kind of love that parents should. Yeah, fabulous. And yeah, it's just it's just amazing. And opportunity to break the cycle is obviously a huge incentive. So it sounds as if you're acutely aware of the type of behaviours that contributed to your to your struggles, and that you don't want to repeat those mm-hmm. behaviours. In your relationship with your children yeah absolutely it's a big driver of my recovery is i mean yes i'm doing it for myself but part of myself and my life is my relationship with my kids and my wife as well so and it is actually a spiritual experience it's part of practicing spirituality is connecting with another human being yeah. and you know connecting with you know, someone that you help make is is a beautiful thing, and and I can see also, especially with my son. My son is a three D printed version of me, just with blonde hair. <laughs> I can see how sensitive he is, and and it takes me back to how I sense. I, and I kind of know. I don't. Know, I, I intuitively know that I used to be this very sensitive little boy. Yeah. And I can see how my affection towards him is exactly what he needs to kind of deal with the world oh wonderful and uh, and we have this this amazing uh, relationship and, and i just look back at at how if if i was the sensitive little and i was and i wasn't getting that affection from my father how that could push you down the road of 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 where i went to and of sort of retreating into myself and isolating and uh, and ultimately feeling rejected and you know all the issues that come with that yeah so i can see how uh, parenting is so crucial to how you end up 
in our childhoods. What happens to us in our childhoods determines the kind of person that yeah. you will be later on in life. And um, and I can see it for myself, and I can see it just playing out. And, and, and it's, yeah, it's obviously a massive thing that drives um, you know my willingness and appreciation of parenthood. If you grow up in a household where all these bad ways or these poor behaviors and and um, ways of conduct are what you experience, and then you normalize it because you have to normalize it in order to justify it and survive it. Absolutely. And so if that's your first-hand, and first-hand experiences are the most powerful. It's like, you know, talking about spirituality to someone who, like, has never, or who is an atheist, has never felt any sort of, it's difficult to kind of convince them that this feeling of connection exists, you know. <laughs> Whereas now, I've, you know, I've felt it. So I will I will say, look, well, that's how I, I, I believe it because I felt it, you yeah. know. And... The converse to that is if you see bad things happening, you're way more inclined to normalize it because you've got front row seats to a shit show. <laughs> you know, and if, if you grow up around that, then the, the, the smell of poo, you know, you become desensitized uh-huh. to it later on in life. So absolutely, that's why it's so important to the way we conduct ourselves around kids, what we expose them to and what we show them to be good practice and good examples yeah the role models uh, are so important absolutely and it all seems like you know when we were growing up through it I'm like, Fuck, whatever, you know it doesn't really matter but like when you go through the ringer and you come out the other side and you hear the experiences of people in the kind of groups that we're part of it's the same story just told in with a different angle and yeah. a different a different set of bad experiences but the the model is the same everyone had a shit childhood everyone <laughs> and that's it yeah even the ones who thought they had a good childhood well once they start investigating it i didn't realize <laughs> yeah. no i knew mine was shit i just didn't know how shit yeah. you know? see i i didn't know mine was i thought mine was okay and normal until i looked back and saw how i felt one thing that i i so remember about my childhood was i was constantly afraid I never felt, I never felt safe. And that anxiety I just brought right, right through my life. And that's a product of most likely your relationship with your, um, with my father. your, your parents, right? Yeah. And you know, that whole thing about parenting is that you need to make children feel safe so that they know that they can go out into the world and always have a safe place to come yeah. back to. But if your primary caregivers and existence and home life is unsafe well then you know how are you ever going to feel comfortable yeah. to to go out into the world and not be anxious and not be fearful and you know not feel rejected and alone absolutely so at the age of 50 I'm, I'm now in a position where i need to make the choice that i cannot live my life in fear anymore and it's amazing how it served me up until now and now i realize i can't i can't continue like this <laughs> I just can't. Yeah. It's not going to, to, to serve me in, in any way. So to undo 50 years of crap. But like as you said, you know, there's a saying that we use in NA a lot, which is shit stinks, but it's warm. The comfort of the warmth is so important to us that we don't even smell the crap anymore. Yeah, okay. and we've, we've been desensitized to the smell Absolutely, of the crap. Right? Yeah. And so we, we only know the warmth. Yeah, and yeah, that's why we do the stupid things, the insane <laughs> things, right? We talk about the insanity. Yeah. that's why we do it. Absolutely. So, what do you do on a daily basis or on a regular basis? 
So um, what's changed, uh, if we're talking about sort of spiritual practices, practices. so meditation has become a a big part of a big part of my life. I how do you meditate? So I've I've got an app that helps me with guided meditation. Ah. I still yes. want to yes, yes, I still want to get that app yeah. from you. Yeah. So it was I kind of like when I started this and like and I saw that meditation was going to become a big part of the recovery process. I was like, well, I don't need to wait till step eleven to kind of get into it. And started experimenting and looking at stuff online. There's a lot of free resources online and YouTube, and then eventually found a couple of apps and found one that worked for me. And and it's great. It's kind of every day has a new guided meditation. There. are you know, a whole lot of different ones. I've used the seven days of anxiety and seven days of stress. And <laughs> cool. that program, those have worked really well. And um, and even there's bedtime stories for kids. So, oh, wow. But spoken in a in a meditative way, uh, which is uh, which is great. And, and you know, there's times when on holiday, I'm like, I've had, you know, 14 hours of kids. I'm like, just stick on them, you yeah. know, the bedtime story. So that plays a big role for me, especially to calm the mind i mean you know we suffer from obsessive thinking (laughs) and that's also been a big part of our our downfall obsessive thinking which leads to anxiety which leads to playing the movie over and over again and harboring old resentments and um, this helps me to sort of just kind of start my day in a way that is just just you know puts the wolves at bay and quiet time quiet time is this massively underrated thing in this modern day that <laughs> way that we live and so just to kind of start the day before the kids get up and before the madness of the day starts and um, just have that time so that's been massively powerful for me prayer is something that is that has come a bit later on to me and and how i've started praying i mean the serenity prayer is something we say a lot and there's you know times outside of the rooms when you know we've done that and then you know just i try and listen to sort of podcasts uh, on the way into work uh, or music um okay. so meditative music and which like all not fall asleep in the process <laughs> yeah and just just to kind of like help with that calming of the mind yeah. and then i get to work and i'm kind of like you know my concept of my higher power out there and i'll say a prayer just help me be the person that i really want to be today because i'm not going to walk in through those doors and i'm going to want to harm <laughs> either myself <laughs> mostly others just help me be the kind of person that you know lives uh, that can you know um live that spiritual life in the workplace as well you know where there are a lot of challenges of open-mindedness honesty and being of service yeah and just kind of help just remind me that you know get out get in my friend and then go and then you know by lunchtime it's all gone and i'm you, know, <laughs> you need to do it all over again you know and you know you're thinking of like sharpening pencils and, <laughs> you know so i do that and then i've this year's been a particularly tough year for me uh, personally uh, relationships and and work sort of uh, relations with my family and it's been really tough it's taken a lot out of me and in I look back and I don't actually know how, uh, you know, I survived through all of this. And, you know, I've taken the the, the step of booking myself in for a Zen retreat. Oh, uh, wow. In a, a three days of just a, a new experience. Of chant- Is it the quiet one? No, it's not. Oh. It's the chanting one. <laughs> so the quiet one freaks me the fuck out. The idea the of not one. saying a word for how many days. Yeah. The quiet one I've uh, booked for uh, March. Are you serious? Yeah. Which That's I'm how many days? Ten of, days. Oh my god! Ten days, yeah. Can you can you actually? 
Can you comprehend doing that? I can't. T- if if it was tomorrow, <laughs> if I could go tomorrow, I would be there tomorrow. <laughs> so it's just kind of. I mean, I, I was always. I was. You know, I'd heard other people talk about it, and um, I was like, "That's quite interesting." And then my wife was like, "That sounds like a cult. No way, you're not going." And I'm like. No, look, this year I really need to get away from people, devices, and yeah. everything else. You know, so the, uh, you know, so it's just putting yourself out there to those kind of things, and um, and then the other thing, just to practice spirituality, is just to kind of practice being connected. I mean, or to create an environment where connection can happen. And so my, you know, my concept of of, of being connected, being spiritual, uh, which then helps me stay clean. Is something which needs to be replenished all the time yeah. and that's by either doing these practices or putting yourself in environments where you can feel that connection you know meetings is a spiritual experience yeah. for me and connecting with people and you know open honest vulnerable conversations are ways of connecting and so that you've got to keep continuously i have to keep continuously topping that up and and that is meditation prayer experiences nature people family life dogs walking you know these other things and it's just you just you know it doesn't it doesn't last you just have to keep doing it over and over again and that then it becomes a way of life it has to become a way of life if you want if you want that connection to then replace this those urges and the needs to act out and find the pseudo connection that you know drugs sex alcohol would would give us then rock and roll yeah 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 listen is your wife with you on this journey? She is. Uh, she's not as spiritually practiced uh, or as uh, you know. Yeah, she she doesn't she doesn't need to do them you know to keep her yeah. sanity. So she is very lucky, and I'm very lucky that she's a product of a of a relatively stable and warm and loving upbringing. I'm and raising my hand here. <laughs> I also got that luck. <laughs> and and so, you know, the stresses of like her life, they build up and then she has a little blowout and then she's fine. You yeah. know, or like she has a glass of wine and that's okay. And I'm like, oh my God, that is like, you're quite lucky. <laughs> but uh, also, I, I, so it's not as it's not as imperative to her sanity yeah. to, to do all these things. She's never needed that to, to keep, her, to keep yeah. her on the right path. But I guess also on the other hand is maybe I feel you know uh, the the upside of those spiritual connections which are quite intense and and very uh, joyful and and that i guess may, maybe she doesn't have you know the, the upside but she certainly doesn't have the downside of that yeah. so you know and she knows and she knows that when we are not connected she picks it up like this okay and and then you know obviously because of you know my history that brings up stuff for her and we don't we're still working out how to deal with it head on but um, she certainly feels it. And so whether she knows it or not, everyone is spiritual. Everyone has that connection. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really a lot of the times what I'm going through that affects our ability to, to connect. Okay. So with everything you mentioned, dogs as well? Yes, I have two. I have two at one stage, we had two dogs, two cats, <laughs> two kids. And there was something else that we had. A in, parent. In, yeah, something like that. Daughters. Yeah. <laughs> So, I, and it's quite funny, My I have um, a, a 10-year-old sort of uh, half-breed, like I think it's called an Africana breed type okay. dog, like a bit of Alsatian pavement special. And then I inherited a sausage dog from, oh. from my sister. And that sausage dog is, uh, and I are, uh, we've been through a lot together. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, when you're in active addiction, 
you think no one's going to love you if they really know who yeah. you are, right? And so you never let people get close and you, that intimacy just doesn't exist. But, you know, with him, I always kind of felt he knew who I was. And so we had this amazing connection. Okay. And we still do. Yeah, I mean, he's been in, he's been through the wars, the poor guy. And um, anyway, so yeah, but he's still around, and, and he's an example of of like you know the connection with nature and, and other beings. Awesome. Which was very you know, so I kind of look through. It's like my one friend has been through all of it. Kind of <laughs> knows everything. So it's amazing. Yeah. I love animals, and I love that connection that we can, that unconditional aspect of relationship with a pet is, is so awesome. Mm. When I was a teenager, we had a golden retriever cross type of dog, but she was the most wonderful animal. Actually, my cat is now exactly the same as that dog was. Mm. Anyway, so when I went through all my teenagers, all my drama, I would hold her while I cried. And she would get up and her chest would become would be soaking wet. And she would just lie there. She was yeah, completely yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was always so sweet. Um, last question. And I ask this to everybody and I love the reaction when to, when it comes. Are you happy? Now is the happiest I've ever known my life to be. Oh wow. Yeah. I am um, I'm I'm content with um, I feel very fortunate to have not fucked my life up so badly that the good things that I have are still around. Yeah. You know, I used to need very intense experiences to feel any sort of joy. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I mean, I can look out on a, you know, on a hike and see the view and like feel this feeling inside me that goes that's amazing and kind of bring you to tears. I'm uh, I'm you know, I love nothing more than walking my dog and my son after work going is my happy place oh fabulous you know and um, you know mountains in the background open fields and that for me is just incredible so to be able to experience that is which I wasn't ever able to before I wasn't able to I, I didn't get nature I'm like what yeah. what, what, what is no, this neither, like, neither there's no I. like strobe light there's no smoke machine there's no like how is this fun you know um, exactly. so like so I'm I am happy and even though like you'll never have a perfect life or the concept of perfect life doesn't exist you know it's this yeah. moment right this moment is all that we have and um, and once you kind of realize it and buy into that and start living your life like that then you know joy i I remember reading that uh, there's a difference between joy and happiness the joy and happiness right so happiness is driven by external factors but joy comes from within and is longer lasting and more sort of you know uh more sort of real right so i can buy something from take a lot tomorrow it'll make me happy but five minutes later (laughs) exactly i I need to buy something else right (laughs) Whereas if you are living a spiritual and connected life, then, you know, that joy can just come from, you know, just listening to a piece of music or, you know, stroking a dog or playing with a cat or with kids or listening to a river stream running, you Mm. know. And and so, like, I'm now experiencing all those things for the first time ever, which is just amazing. And, yeah, so I, I am the happiest I've ever been. I, there's a long way to go, and, you know, it's still sort of work in progress of of uh, things in my life that, you know, it's still need. But, you know, it's, yeah. uh, I've still got a lot of time left. But, you know, happy, happy yeah. to, 
the concept of spirituality and the living or the attempt to living a spiritual life has totally changed my perception and the way I interact with this with this life and other people around and that is the source of 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 this joy which wouldn't which was never possible before okay okay I lied I've got two more questions okay (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't mean to lie that they just came out well one I remembered I want to ask earlier how do you apply spirituality at work yeah so it's it's a tough one because there's so many moving parts to to work and it's not just yourself right it's yeah. not just about you know and there's and to do with all these assholes yeah yeah and, and control right so control <laughs> is our other big sort of my yeah. character defect absolutely and so once uh, but a, a lot of the work that that we do in the program to figure out why we're trying to, I know control is a character defect, mm. but look, okay, why am I trying to control? Well, I'm trying to control so that I can get the outcome that I want. Yeah. Okay, well, why do you want the outcome that you want? Well, because if I don't get the outcome that I want, then I'm going to look like a fool. People are going to think that you're stupid or can't. Exactly, yeah. which comes back to my insecurity and where does my insecurity get? So once I like start figuring all this shit out, I'm going, okay, well, I know why I need to control so I can now actually do something else than yes. try and control. I can either let go, I can offer help, I can do all these other things. Manipulate somebody else to, somebody else yeah, to control. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what yeah. I normally do. Delegate someone else to control <laughs> the situation. Uh, and it's hard because also, you know, we're supposed to accept the things we cannot change and mm-hmm. the courage to change the things we can. But a lot of the stuff that, uh, you know, in, in my business in particular that we are supposed to do is about change so i'm not kind of going well okay well we're supposed to change all this shit so like i can change a lot so i should be ch- <laughs> you know, so, so it's uh it's different but it's it i guess it's really just about thinking all the time just you know there's principles of spirituality yeah. there's open-mindedness there's honesty uh there's service and you can apply those you apply in them in every situation at work yeah it's harder because the stresses mount and you kind of get sucked out yeah. of that spiritual mindset. And that's why you need to, well, I need to have sort of like breaks, fire breaks, right? Yeah. So when, when the red mist comes down, I was like, oh, no, I okay, right, I just got to step out, do a quick emergency meditation, okay? <laughs> um, or I just go for a walk and I just realize, okay, hang on a second, you know, what, what is the right thing to do? Uh, honesty is, is a... Ugh. big one that you can that you can and have to the opportunities to be dishonest in business Ugh. are there isn't a day that goes by where there yeah. isn't an opportunity to be dishonest and, and it's so, less if dishonesty is the norm so yes. so you kind of nearly did the, the, the opposite yes yeah exactly and and so our our needle of what is normal in in this country especially has been so far moved to you know that, that you know it's not, it's not in the center anymore you know and so i so i guess just by being honest and by resisting that temptation and by doing that you are doing you are practicing spiritual elements and also as a leader in my business i have to think about you know how can i start applying these principles in the workplace and creating an environment for people to you know de-stress or talk open yeah. and and honestly mm. about stuff with without you know and also because the environment that we work in is very stressful yeah. mental health issues are, are are a massive problem you know so like part of me thinks so how do i bring some of the, the the spiritual 
program into the workplace that allows them without sort of forcing like spirituality, but yeah. just a process of open communication. It's kind of nearly what Gandhi said, be the change you want to see. Mm. Yeah. Last question, I promise. Okay. Where do you stand with play? With play? Play, yeah. Oh, Don't, right. But not the energy drink. Yes, <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's massively important. And I think even even when I was in, in, in active addiction, I used to get a sense of calmness and serenity from playing something like cricket okay. um, for a long period of time. When like, focusing on the game would give me sort of respite from the... The noise in your head. Madness, yeah. So, I, um, you know, we've got some... Um, some friends on our, on our group from the rooms who play tennis every now and then. So we we we, we uh, play. So playing sport in, in sort of combining exercise with play is okay. great. You know, I've got a, a young son who's cricket mad and rugby mad. So oh, cool. I participate in you know rugby coaching at his school. Oh, awesome! We're throwing balls in the net in the back garden. Uh, also. You know, I you know I like board games, and uh, when you get the chance to do that, so it's very, it's that creative well, so that outlet is massively important, I think, to maintaining yeah. that balance. And uh, and you know we're you know we it's we're kids at heart. You know we want to play, and I think it's a critical component of of leading a, a happy life. Yeah. The reason I ask that is that that's definitely another part of the layer or another layer that I need to peel is I really struggle I take myself so damn seriously yeah. so, so it's, it's really nice to hear that, that that people have this ability to just kind of okay so let, let, just let it go yeah and, and I'm finding I'm getting better at it with especially with children I could never connect with children mm-hmm. these days I'm actually I don't feel like a fool anymore mm-hmm. and that's always oh my god I feel like such, I feel so stupid and you'll see like especially in highly creative workplaces you know, uh, where, you know, tech companies and ad agencies especially have, you know, the pool tables and the foosball tables yeah. and they're like, you know, chill out rooms and all that kind of stuff that which, which encourages play and stimulates creativity. So, you know, play is, uh, play is a great uh, re- relaxation technique. But coming back to not taking yourself seriously, I, was, I can't remember which book I was reading now, but th- this guy was talking about the concept of, uh, he was, you know, some leadership or some kind of book like that. He was speaking to someone and someone burst into him and said, you know, we've got this massive problem. This is, you know, and like this person's not doing that. And, you know, the person who's speaking um, in the first person in the book says, what's rule number six? Remember rule number six? And the person who just burst into the room goes, oh, okay, fine. And turns out and goes out. And then someone else comes in, same thing. And they're panicking and he goes, what's rule number six? Remember rule number six? And they're like, okay. <laughs> and so the person sitting there visiting the, the person who's sitting behind the desk is, what the hell is rule number six? And what's, you know, rule number five? So one to five. So well, there's no rule number one to five. That's, you know, but rule number six is don't take yourself, don't take yourself so goddamn seriously. Oh, fabulous. <laughs> yeah. So I must definitely remember rule number six. Yeah, rule number six. That means like, <laughs> Rule number six. And sometimes I have my, you know, when I get really like this yeah. with someone or someone didn't do something, I'm like, rule number six, but you just, rule yeah. number six. I remember my ex always used to say when I throw my toys, because always say, but look on the bright side. I was, there is no bright no, it's side. All, it's, all, <laughs> my, my, it's all dark yeah, and my death counselor, and destruction. Look at the gift. There is no gift. <laughs> yeah. I just don't want to see that. Yeah. Listen, thank you so much. This was awesome. I'm so grateful. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm also very grateful. You're most welcome. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful day. Ciao.
I am so happy to have been able to have this conversation. I know Daniel is extremely busy and am beyond grateful that he has managed to make this time for this chat. It is clear that Daniel has embraced the principles of recovery as his spiritual path and is allowing this path to take him where it seems fit for him to go. I always find it fascinating to hear how people manage to balance the demands of life with their spiritual journeys and how they practice spirituality at work. I surely got a few pointers and I hope you received some pulls of wisdom too. If you have any feedback or remarks, please feel free to pop me an email or connect on social media. It will be great to hear from you. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za or find me on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash freddy.org.za or on Twitter at at Freddy. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an IE at the end. Be safe. Bye.